Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the YouthWork State of Mind podcast. I'm Dave, thank you for listening. Occasionally, whilst recording the podcast, we run out of time and have to cut certain parts from the final episode, but they are still really helpful and important discussions to have, and today's clip is no different. This discussion was taken from the recording of our episode about midweek ministry called Sunday Isn't Everything with Bryony Baker and Nick Shepherd. During our second question about what we do and don't do well when encouraging young people to connect with God, Ben, Bryony and Nick had a really insightful discussion about how we can talk about our personal and at times private relationship with God together to encourage growth and discipleship away from our formal church gatherings. There's kind of a couple of analogies I like within this kind of conversation. One is formed and the unformed, which Bryony's kind of hit on, is that we do the formed, which is kind of together, and they're organised things. But then actually it's how do you, exactly that, what she said in terms of how do we equip people to, or position people to therefore do the unformed together so that community goes outside of, that worship space, whether that looks like an online Zoom thing or a, or a midweek group or even a Sunday morning, is how do we take that outside of it? And I think it's also the challenge with, with youth groups as well, is that quite often our, our teaching or our kind of focus can be on how do we teach people about God rather than how do we apply it to life? And I think there's that switch that sometimes needs to happen. There's a great talk and we can be deep theolo- theologically sound teaching, but it's like, how does that apply? If we don't have the application aspect, it doesn't feed out into the rest of life. And another analogy, which pr- and I find it really helpful, is, is to think about um, platforms and tables. So platforms, certain things happen from platforms, but the platform isn't actually where most things should take place in the church. It takes place around tables. So whether that's around a dinner table where you do life with other people and other families, it may be one-to-one. It may be like a, a more distinct uh, discipleship relationship to like, a coffee table works quite well as an analogy. But then equally, it's about it's also about the, the bedside table, which is you and God. It's your personal space with God. And that that works. So in my head, those work really well as kind of analogies, which actually is you need all of those. So we need that kind of wider community. We need the platform space to be able to go, okay, we gathered together. This is amazing. This has been applied, but actually, how do we get alongside each other? And equally, how do we sow into that relationship that we have with God on our own? But I think there is something, you know, sometimes the Sunday morning, people have relied so heavily on Sunday morning to be that be all and end all and to be their connection to God, that they don't actually take that outside. It is almost like, how do we skill this up? And I think the midweek thing, and, and I, I realise I come from a very heavily youth work background, but I like I love, I love that midweek youth groups quite often are so much more chilled out than if you're trying on a Sunday morning. It feels quite like a programme. But that I, I love a home group for young people, like actually to invite people into your home. There's something about that. Um, obviously, all done safely, all of that. Um, but actually, it's sorry. So it's like it's like COVID, socially distanced, in your home, safeguarding. Um, it's youth work times we work in, isn't it? Um, but we. Um, but but I love that because actually, one, one, the, the best times I've done, the best moments I've had within youth work. Quite often have taken place in my home or someone else's home, while well, which actually has said, "Hey, I'm opening my home to you. This is a space where we can do life alongside each other. We can do relationship with God with each other and individually. But we're gonna we're gonna spend that time. And there's going to be space within that which is about you and God, 
and then there's a space about us and God. And I, I kind of love that dynamic of being around a home and around a table. A couple of things that inspire some of my thinking. I mean, I love, I, I think the idea of gathering or the, or the practice of gathering is really, really important. So I don't think that kind of sense of whether, you, whether you're meeting on a Sunday, whether you're meeting midweek, whether you're meeting in homes is the problem. What sparked me about your table analogy there and platforms and tables, we, we do do that as a church, but realistically, we ought to be meeting around two tables. So when we're in church, we're meeting around the, the, you know, the Eucharistic table, you know, whether you call it an altar, whether you call it a table, we're, but we're actually still meeting around a table. We're, we're drawn together as the people of God. Um, around 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 a table for fellowship, a table to share Christ's presence. Someone does some talking, some reflecting. It might feel culturally different to kind of like having a good old Barney as a family around a kitchen table, but it's sometimes we lose that dynamic because whatever our tradition, we become very formal, you know. And and the most formal places can strike an informal, you know, tone. You know, it looks like we've got kind of engaged free, you know. The events that I've been to, some of the most programmed specific ones have been the ones with the coolest music and lights. You know, it's kind of, it's not, it's not to do with high culture or low culture, it's to do with being programmed and losing that sense of kind of connectivity and, and fellowship. And I think at the heart of it, for me, it's about the willingness or the desire to find out from other people their experience of God in their life at this moment. And our reticence to talk about that with one another, young or old, because that's where, for me, the life and energy come in. So whenever I'm in a youth group discussion and we're talking about where God is in our lives, that's when it suddenly starts getting sparky. Similarly, in a church scenario, one of the best things that's happened for our church over lockdown, in face of all the challenges, in our Zoom meetings, we've had more time to actually hear and listen to people's actual experience of life, the good stuff and the bad stuff and share where God is in that, or share where people don't know where God is in that, and then pray together. And that's just been brilliant in terms of, you know, it's been sharing in people's pain sometimes, but it's been brilliant in the sense of feeling like the people of God and beginning to see where God is in our midst. Um, And so the more we can do to engage that in our gatherings, the better, I think. How is that different to what you would have done in small groups? I mean, our, the church I'm in at the minute has not got a big tradition of small groups, but I think what you tend to do in small groups is you tend to do what I said earlier, which is replicate the kind of main Sunday service. So someone will do a reading, you'll have a discussion about the Bible, and then you'll close that and you'll get the coffee out, and then you'll start talking about everyday life. <laughs> about real things, yeah. About real things. <laughs> um, because our cultural practices as a church don't encourage this. So setting those people free that I've, that I've been working with for a while, one of the things that we've done with churches is introduce two simple questions. How are you being changed by God at the moment? And how can we better support each other as 24-7 or seven days a week followers of Christ, you know, given, given what you just said? And it's not, not, not revolutionary questions, but actually, for a variety of reasons, we don't ask those questions of each other, and we don't respond to those questions. In youth groups, you know, we'll fill 45 minutes full of games and then say any points of prayer at the, at the end. In in other settings, we'll fill 45 minutes with songs and then any points of prayer at the end. So I think the more we can do to kind of break up that tendency to not explore and, and connect with each other about the reality of God in our lives, the better. And it's it's hard sometimes. And it's and and the other another aspect of it is that that kind of lifestyle isn't supported by life outside a church 
So we do then enter a space where we don't talk about God. We don't notice God. We're challenged in our own faith. We might want to keep our own faith quiet. And the two actually don't get on well with each other. So we become keen to talk about, you know, keen to listen, keen to engage with God in churchy stuff, but not in the rest of our lives. And I think that's the thing we need to find out we break open for people. Yeah. Uh, just as a, just kind of a, a, a random question, and I'm not, it's not like a sounds trying to kind of grill Nick moment, but do you think there's some, some of the rise of that kind of culture has been around increasingly within society that faith is a personal thing and therefore the sharing of that becomes more awkward do you think there's i mean i, know, I guess it's an open open question but nick's, nick's kind of brought that up and i and i just and i wonder if that's something that we've seen that as faith has become either something far rarer and therefore more personal um and that phrase of kind of that's truth for you but it's not for me um has seen a rise within culture do, do you think that has an impact in the why we've kind of edged away from kind of actually the, naturally doing the kind of sharing faith alongside it and sharing our life and our and our kind of conversations. I think so. I mean, I think I think the first thing to say is that actually there are aspects of faith that are deeply personal, and actually you need trusted friends and family to want to talk about some of that stuff. So it's this is not about asking people to move into spaces where we're uncomfortable talking about deep aspects of, of, our, of, our, of our lives but that whole privatization of faith that's been a general shift you know for decades now you know hundreds of years in fact and so as that becomes a kind of thing you don't talk about and we don't acknowledge in public or it's actually sometimes challenged in public it does become harder and harder to talk about you know and so that that sense that sense of it squeezes God into a space which is just private, your own your own world, not in public. And I think that 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 is one of the challenges for faith. It's one of the challenges we address in parenting. You know, uh, it was a few years back now, but a survey of parents where only thirty eight percent, you know, felt it was important to pass on faith to their children, uh, but sixty four percent thought it was important to pass on the values of politeness. But the reason behind that was that that, that they said the parents said they were bad parents, that, that, but they wanted their children to make their own choice. So there's also a sense in which not only is it private, but it's optional. So that combination of faith being both private and optional makes it really hard to talk about and also really hard to work out what you think and feel, particularly for, for, for children and young people. I think that's very fascinating. And I think within your work, I think you've done a lot more <laughs> looking into this. I think I, when you said personal, I think I kind of thought actually as the church, are we responsible for some of this? Because we uh, in a modern church have adopted the language of personal relationship with Jesus, which is very important. But I think we've kind of overemphasized that at the expense of realizing the community aspect of relationship with Jesus. And of course, we live in a world that is shaped by individualism, don't we? And so I think that, you know, society is against us in that sense. But I think probably as church leaders and, and, and churches, I think we can, should be talking more about the community aspect of faith, because then I think it goes beyond just your church community to your friendship groups and things like that, mm. rather than your very own personal relationship with Jesus. And don't hear what I'm not saying. Yes, we talk about that too. But I think the, the modern world has kind of pushed us that way as well. I don't, yeah. I mean, I think that's a really insightful observation. I mean, I think personal relationship language has that part of that tendency, that push. But it, I think it does another thing as well, which is it desensitizes us to the fact that God's presence is everywhere. And people are having experiences of God's presence, you know, whether, whether 
you know, whether they interpret it as that, I mean, I believe that, but, you know, it frames us into a position where we think that that's not happening or that can't happen outside a narrow band of contexts. Where do you experience your personal relationship with Jesus? And quiet moments and times of worship songs, discussion, you know, yes, you might have that when you're on a walk or swimming or, you know, but playing football at your computer in a lesson. Those, those aren't encouraged as being those kind of spaces. But it is really, really important, I, I would say, the personal relationship with Jesus is the interpretive frame for how we understand our experience of, of, of God. And it's really important that, you know, dis- part of discipleship is beginning to shape our understanding of who we are and who God is through Christ. But it doesn't mean that God is not coming to us in all sorts of different ways. And that means that we can open up conversations with friends who aren't Christians about the experience of God in their life. Because why isn't God involved in their life? So I think I think it has it has countered against this sense of openness about about faith. Yeah, I guess in that in that kind of yeah, in what, what we're saying, one of the keyest questions that we can be asking then on a regular basis is where is God in this? In, in, on a regular basis but not just like in that you know not in that terrible moment or in that really amazing moment it's going actually where is god in working from home where is god in that moment where is god in in this and there was um there's a lovely story that mark iaconelli tells um about his son um i won't tell the whole story but essentially the, the premise is this that his son talked about his son one of his sons took his time on everything um and and they were at a camp. They're running this camp, and the dinner bell runs, and and Mark goes, wants to run off and dr- kind of pick his son up, and his son goes, no, come. And one day he said, you you need to do everything at my speed. So they have this agreement, and that one day he's he's ready to dash over. His son goes, no, 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 come and look at this. Come and stop. Take your time. Look at what's around you. And he goes, because God's there, and his son's pointing these things out to him. And I think and that really struck me as a as just that kind of uh, that that moment of going. Yeah, actually, God is everywhere. We just need to tune ourselves and attune ourselves, position ourselves, whatever language we want to have. So where is God in in everything? And, and as you say, it's like how do how do we almost ask that question of people of not with not with the faith at, at this moment in time? Go, how do you like maybe God's got something in that? And almost it's key questions, isn't it? It's good questions that unlock those conversations. Um, which is and maybe we're not good. We kind of do like to. Do you like to not ask questions or discourage asking questions sometimes? That exploratory aspect of faith sometimes can get overlooked, can't it? Um, so, yeah, I, that's, that, I love that. I love that whole kind of, yeah, that, that, that ask questions, where is God in everything? Yeah. That um, story you just told is, is on YouTube. It's called Slow Club. The little boy was like, yes, you're in Slow, Slow Club, Club, Dad. Yeah, so yeah. If, if the listeners want to see that, it's a short video, but it's really, yeah, really challenging and inspiring, that Slow Club. I hope you enjoyed this bonus clip and found it helpful. We're going to link to the video mentioned by Ben and Bryony in the podcast description. We'd love to carry on the conversation with you. And the best place to do this is on our Instagram account at YouthWork State of Mind. There we and many others in the youth ministry community can discuss what these things mean for us in our own context. And of course, we will post all of our past and future episodes and talking points there so you don't miss a thing. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you again for our next episode. Thanks for listening to this bonus content for the YouthWork State of Mind podcast. It was a Blackburn Diocese Board of Education production. 
It was produced by Ben Green and David Harris with music from Purple Planet. You can listen to more of their music at purple-planet.com. Special thanks to Bryony Baker and Nick Shepard for joining us on this episode. For more episodes and excellent youth work resources, visit our website, bdeducation.org.uk and make sure you follow us on Instagram at youthworkstateofmind to keep up to date with youth work where you are.